Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. And uh, we're off and running tonight, Tom, and we've got plenty of stuff to cover. Why don't you give us a rundown of what we're going to look at tonight? Yeah, we're going to talk about the PGA Championship this week. We're going to run down our top 10 fantasy quarterbacks, preview a little UFC card for the weekend, and then start our our divisional breakdowns for the NFL. Yeah, can't beat that, right? I mean, it's a it's a nice nice little card we're going to go over tonight. Yeah. Uh, kick it off for me, Tom. We're going to do a little recap. Um, the FedEx St. Jude this weekend, Justin Thomas with the win, uh, becoming number one in the world. Sorry, John Rahm, two weeks is all you get. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he looked solid from start to finish, really. He's been playing great, kind of kept it up. Uh, what yeah. else you got out of there? I'd be a little sad if I didn't say, uh, you know, I'd... I had Brooks Kepka. I put a little piece on Kepka to win the tournament, yeah. twenty bucks to win six hundred, and it looked great for a minute. And the par five seventeenth, I think it was. Thomas was in the first cut of rough, hits a little uh, a little wedge in there, and it gets it to bite and stop right next to the hole, makes birdie. Brooks Kepka hits his in. I think it was sixteen. Uh, Brooks Kepka hits his. It's just a little pitch shot in there. Catches the downslope, runs off the back, ends up making bogey. Two-shot swing for him and Thomas at that point. Ended up really being the difference because Kepka had to try to press it late. He made birdie on 17, uh, but then hit it in the water on 18. So it was a fun finish. Also a lot of fun to see Phil Mickelson playing with the best players in the world, man. This guy's 50 years old and finishes in the top five in a WGC event. So, you know, to me... A great tournament, fun tournament. Yeah. Um, good to see some of the top players in the world playing well, and it's a great lead-up to this weekend's PGA Championship. Absolutely. And uh, before we get to that, we'll talk a little bit about the UFC event last week. Kev, I'll let you take the uh, lead on this as I was indisposed. Yeah, so Tom was out of town with, uh, you know, a, a little camping trip. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was a uh, really... The, the main event was shocking to see Edmund Shabazian basically being manhandled by Derek Brunson. Uh, uh. Brunson kind of controlled that fight start to finish. And Shabazian never should have come back out for round three. I thought for sure the doctor would stop it. I think Shabazian still has a, lo- a load of talent, but they might have tried to accelerate him a little too quick with somebody as, as experienced as Brunson is, who's still a very dangerous fighter at this point in his career. Um Vicente Luque continues to look great with a finish in the second round, um, second round knockout. So he's on a nice run right now. He's at 19-7-1 now, but he's had a really nice run here with some wins over Nico Price. Finishes Randy Brown. I think he's about to get a step up in competition. Jennifer Maya uh, pulls the upset, or the, the mild upset over Joanne Calderwood with a first round submission. It was a really, really nice arm bar uh, she worked her way to. Calderwood then uh, fainted or passed out in the locker room uh, following the fight, so I'm not sure if maybe she had a rough weight cut um, or what may have happened, but she didn't look herself. And Jennifer Maya really kind of controlled that thing and, and got the armbar late in round one to finish it. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of other notable fights on the card. Um, you know, Bobby Green got a decision win over Lando Venata. Those guys were fighting for the second time. The first time it ended up being a draw. And uh, this time Bobby Green gets the decision and looked like he, he kind of controlled the fight. So um, that was the main card. And, you know, not a lot of big heavy hitters on that card. Same thing for this week. There are some uh, decent fights this week, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. Yeah, first let's talk about the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. Uh, a course that's not used as often, which makes us, you know, a little more excited to see it, I would say. Yeah, you know, and, and based on what everybody's saying, there's there's kind of mixed perceptions on what it's going to take to succeed here. Yeah. You've had Rory McIlroy win the match play there um, in, 2015, in yeah. 2015. And then you had the President's Cup, which was in, what, 2000? I can't remember which year it was there. But you had it might have been 2005 or something like that. 
And in that event, you had guys winning matches like crazy, like Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker, also Tiger Woods. He was far and away the best player in the world at that time. Might have been 2009. Yeah, yeah, 2009. Tiger Woods was the best player in the world at that point. You know, it's kind of difficult to determine, is this a bomber's course or is this about the guys who plot around the course? Now, based on the early responses that we've gotten this week, Bryson DeChambeau says this is absolutely a bomber's course. He's going to be swinging for the fences every chance that he gets. Yeah. And But he's loaded with confidence with the driver in his hand right now. So, you know, how much of that can you take as, you know, necessarily what we should be looking at from a betting angle or who we think is going to come out on top? What did you see or what have you heard, Tom? Yeah, so a couple things that I've noticed that uh, kind of stand out to me is, is first is the weather. Uh, so it's not going to be as cool as a British Open, but we're talking mist, rain, Mid wind. Mid-50s, yeah. Yeah, you know, it looks like it might be up to the 60s here a little bit, but those early rounds especially are going to be cool. Uh, so the ball, again, it's not going to travel as far. You're going to have some of that. So you're going to have to make some some shots and it may slow the greens down a little bit. From I know they're trying to amp it up. It is a PGA Championship, but it may slow the greens down a little bit as well. These guys are so good that if there's moisture on the course, it makes it so much more scorable for them. Yeah, they'll throw it right at it. Yeah, they'll they'll throw darts, and they can kind of judge the distance to their landing spot in the fairway. They don't have to worry about it running out into the rough. So expect a little bit lower than maybe anticipated scoring conditions here. You might see, like, it, this is a par 70, I believe. Um, so, you know, you've only got the two par fives on it. And that's going to put you in a spot where you might see 63. I mean, that's, that's very reasonable to see somebody shoot 63 because they'll be throwing darts in there. I, I really believe the scores are going to be pretty low early on in the tournament. So... You know, based on some of the stuff that I look at, the metrics that matter to me, I've got a few ideas about who I like here. I think that you want somebody who has plenty of distance because distance becomes an even larger factor on a moist golf course. When you have a golf course that is has moisture on it, it's all carry. How far do you hit it in the air? You don't get it. You you don't get the advantage of the bounce and roll. So. You may want somebody who, who can really launch it out there pretty good. That puts a guy like Bryson DeChambeau in play. That puts guys like, you know, Gary Woodland, who's, you know, top 20 type player in, in distance off the tee. Um, Rory McIlroy. You know, those guys hit it a long ways. Dustin Johnson. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood can get it out there. So these are some of the names that you might want to look at as guys who get it out there a long ways. Um, the other thing is you can't if on a on a wet golf course you can't hit it into the rough. If you hit it into yeah. the rough, the the lie is thicker. It's harder to advance the ball. You don't know what's going to happen with it. It can squirt off the golf club. If there's enough moisture, the ball you know you may end up with pick clean in place in the fairways. I don't think we're going to get to that point because you know I think they do a pretty good job with the drainage around Harding Park. But you know so those are some of the names that I would. You know, kind of lean towards if we end up with the wet conditions. Do you have anybody that you're leaning towards strongly, Tom? Uh, not strongly. I think that when you look at majors, you look at the you know the top guys. I think that the, the first thing you do is when they're playing the harder courses, you most of the time see the best players near the top. So that that's kind of what you look at is, the, is who is at the top, who's going to be playing their best. Um, you know, so it's the usual cast of characters. I saw, I was telling Kevin before this, there's a, a pick of, you know, five sports writers picking who would win, and we had four Justin Thomases and one Rory McIlroy. They really went out on a limb there, so good for them. Um, but we were talking beforehand, someone like Xander Shoffley or Webb Simpson, someone who's really, really good all-around game, you know, would be a better bet because, you know, you're Justin Thomas... You know, I don't know if you have them up right now. DeChambeau, those bets aren't going to be as profitable. Um, and Shoffley and Simpson clearly have the, the game to kind of to win a tournament like this. Yeah, no, certainly not. And, and the the thing is, when you're looking for prices, 
Yeah, I, I think it's worth it in golf events in general to try to find a price that makes sense for you. I found, you know, this week leading into the PGA, I have a couple of players that I want to play to finish in the top ten. That still, you know, which is a very common bet that's available out there. But you know, a guy like Xander Shoffley is plus fourteen hundred to win the event. Webb Simpson's plus twenty two hundred to win the event. So yeah. you know, putting a couple of pieces on those guys, you know, put put fifty bucks on Webb Simpson and, and Xander Shoffley. Let the weekend ride. You know, you're looking at eleven hundred dollar payday and a seven hundred dollar payday if one of them comes out on top. Right. And that's two top names that are not necessarily tier one, but they're tier one A. That's yeah. for sure. So I think that they're good options there for you. And, you know, for me, I see guys like Billy Horschel at plus 4,500. Guys plays solid golf. Um, Scotty Scheffler is plus 5,000. He drives the ball a ton. He's one of the top 10 drivers of the ball on the tour. Tony Finau is plus 2,500 right yeah. now. I'm seeing him at. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for me, it's like. I think finding you know some of these top tens may be the 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 best way to go here. Webb Simpson plus twenty five hundred, uh, Xander Shoffley plus fifteen hundred to win the event. I'm sorry. I yeah. Have. Um, and then I'm looking at um, that you have first round leader options. They're, those things they pay huge because it's so hard to get right. You can bet somebody you think might catch fire in round one. Justin Thomas is the shortest one on the board is Brooks Kepka at plus fifteen hundred to lead the tournament. That's that's a big price. Um, but for me, top ten, I have um, a list of guys here. But Daniel Berger to finish in the top ten for me is uh, one of my favorites. I think Daniel Berger to finish in the top ten is plus three twenty five. He's just got to finish in the top ten, and you get more than three to one on your Monday money. So I'm going to mark that one down as uh, one of my plays here this week. Daniel Berger to finish top 10, plus 325. So you guys should should jump on board with that one. I really believe in in that particular pick. And then if I'm going to select a winner, the the um, I do a little, a little calculation. You know, I determine which stats I think are most important. I weigh them and come out with, uh, an outcome here basically i have burger ranked number three for this event and he needs a top 10 finish the, the math is simple for me there um this what i came up with this week is john rom is the most likely to win the event bryson dechambeau second daniel burger third webb simpson fourth and tyrell hatton fifth so there are five guys for you that you could play to finish in the top 10 uh, and then if you're looking for bigger prices I have Abraham Answer and Billy Horschel as guys who are in the top 10 um, based on the numbers that I ran this week. All right. A lot of names out there for you. Tom, pick a winner. Give me uh, a winner. The winner, I mean, I still think Webb Simpson. Uh, if I had to pick a winner right now, I think he's been playing very good. He seems to be just off um, the lead the last couple of tournaments. So, Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a chance with Patrick Cantlay. He's been yeah, right there a the lot. Boat. He's playing a lot of really good golf. He, he had a little rough stretch, but he seems to have uh, corrected that again. I think Patrick Cantlay is a really good play to win the tournament. What do you have Tony Finau at? It looks like he's odds over here have plummeted a bit. Uh, Tony Finau to win the tournament? Yeah. Um, let's see. We're showing him a plus 2,500 over here. To win the PGA Championship, Tony Finau, you can get right now at plus 4,600. That's crazy to me. Yeah. He's so good. He is good. Can't close. He hasn't been able to, He has not been able to close. All right. But to have somebody... I mean, it has Jason Day with more likely to win than Tony Finau. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. If I could bet right now who finishes higher, uh, Tony Finau or Jason right. Day, I'm on Finau. Yeah, absolutely. You could bet a, a weekend-long matchup there. Yeah. All Fan, right. Fantasy QBs? Fantasy QBs, Tom. All right, so fantasy quarterbacks are always interesting to me. I feel like the top four or five guys are, are really, really valuable. And then when you get when you get past them, like 6 to 15, I think, are so close together. Yeah. Uh, but we'll start with my number 10. I have Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan seems to always 
be the same guy. He's going to have 4,000 passing yards. He's going to have 25-something touchdowns. He's going to be steady. You're never going to have to worry about him just <laughs> screwing you out of a week, really. He's going to be consistent. Uh, nine, I have Deshaun Watson. I love the guy. He's, his numbers are always great. Um, he supplements a little less passing yards with a bunch of rushing yards and some TD rushing touchdowns. But I don't know what DeAndre Hopkins' loss is going to do to him. And that team just, you know, you never seem to know. Um, yeah, let's let's just do two at a time on okay. this because we're only going 10 deep here. Perfect. Um, yeah, so for me at number 10, I have Drew Brees. And I think it's just a volume thing for me with Brees and having the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, that's the reason that I have him at number 10. At number 9, I have Matt Stafford. I think that uh, return from the injuries that he's had. And the fake COVID. And, yeah, all that all that nonsense. So, um, I think Stafford has a lot of weapons there, including Kenny Galladay, who had a breakout year. Um, under, under really bad circumstances with the guys who were playing quarterback for the majority of the season. So, yeah. um, for me, I, I really like Matt Stafford here uh, at number nine, which might be a little higher than most have him. Go ahead with eight and seven, Kev. Keep it rolling. Yeah, so at eight for me, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked Deshaun Watson. We, we talked about, um, you know, how his his talent is um, unquestioned. You know, he's able to avoid pressure, get throws off. I think that the loss of Hopkins may not hurt him that much. I think he was so pressed into just his eyes on Hopkins all the time that he may have missed opportunities on the field so I think that this might be an opportunity for Watson to continue to blossom even further yeah I think the hard part for me to really buy into Watson higher than we have him is just the other guys you can't really trust them they're always hurt they're always bouncing in and out so well I also like David Johnson in the passing game um I think that he's going to be a big weapon for him to check down to yeah I had him high in my running back rankings for that yeah yeah so I think that that's going to be a big addition for him um, if Johnson can have a bounce-back season and still have some of that explosiveness. Uh, seven for me is Carson Wentz. Um, I think Carson Wentz has tons of opportunity here, and uh, he'll complete a ton of passes. He's got great weapons in the tight end position, and I like some of the additions that they made in the offseason, uh, including in the draft. So to me, I've got Carson Wentz at seven. So at eight, I have Carson Wentz. I think the same thing. I think he's... One of the most talented quarterbacks out there. He never has a uh, full complement of wide receivers, which already Marquise Goodwin has opted out of the season for him. So we'll, we'll see maybe Jalen Rager more, which may be a good thing. Yeah. Um, Elshon, who knows if he's there. But Carson Wentz has the talent. Uh, he has the opportunity. He throws a ton in the red zone, and he has those big tight ends to look for. Uh, number seven for me is Josh Allen. I Passing yards, and then it's, it's the rushing. I mean, nine rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, after a season of eight, he has the same amount of rushing touchdowns as Saquon Barkley over the last two seasons. 500 yards rushing, which is down from the year before. Um, again, supplementing some lack of passing yards with rushing yards, which are more valuable in fantasy. And then six is where I have Drew Brees. I mean, he's so good. He's going to throw for 5,000 yards as long as he's able to stand, and you're going to get... 35. He, he had 27 touchdowns in 11 games last year. That is nuts. He was on pace for him to be over 40 again. He's he's just unbelievable. Uh, five, I have Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is awesome. Last year, 3,700 yards passing, 544 rushing. I mean, the dynamic. And Russell Wilson, 4,000 yards uh, passing, 31 touchdown passing touchdowns, and then 300 yards rushing. Again, he's able to do it. They seem like they have a, the best wide receivers that they've had since Russell Wilson's been there. It's always a question about that offensive line, but he's got weapons. So you're down to number four now? Yeah. All right. I went too far. <laughs> you just kept rolling. You were on a roll, I was man. A roll. I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop you. Um, six for me is Matt Ryan. I think it's opportunity. I think he's, yeah. he has the opportunity to throw the ball as much as anyone. Great wide receivers. Absolutely. <laughs> and and then you add Todd Gurley, who's a very solid receiving back onto this team. Yeah. I think he'll be even more likely to make the check down instead of trying to force it downfield. Um, you know, and I think that this is going to suit him well. So I think that this is a good season for Matt Ryan, a really nice season coming for him. Uh, five, I also have Kyler Murray at five. Um, Kyler Murray is, 
he's loaded with talent. He's he had a really nice rookie season. He's going to continue to get better. And you added DeAndre Hopkins to yeah. the mix there, and now you've got Kenyon Drake with a full season, who's a good back fit there in that backfield. Uh, expect Kyler Murray to have a really really good fantasy year this year. I would not hesitate to pick him as you know one of my top one of the top quarterbacks in this draft. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm hoping that people are sleeping on him a little bit. Quite frankly. Yeah, don't listen to this part, guys. Yeah. <laughs> At uh, four, I have uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm. So, you know, Lamar Jackson, Whoa. yeah, it is low. And um, my my reason behind it being low is it was a perfect situation for Jackson last year. Uh, in his first year kind of running the whole show, teams had not quite figured out exactly what they wanted to do against him yet. Later in the season, you started seeing teams catching up to him just a little bit. He had a ton of explosive games throughout the course of the season. And then, you know, during the Tennessee game, you could see where he was. They'd kind of figured out what they wanted to do to slow him down a little bit. I think the defensive coordinators are going to get on to it. They always do. No matter what the adjustment is, defensive coordinators always find a way to see some regression out of guys. This is his second year as a starter, and he's going to have some regression this year. Still going to be a strong fantasy player. It's not that he's not going to be a strong fantasy player. It's that I think there's going to be a slight regression this season. And I'll go to three, too. Yeah. Since, yeah. yeah. At three, I have Russell Wilson here. Mm. Um, continuously pumps out performance numbers. Um, you know, I, I and, you know, quite frankly, if they add someone like Antonio Brown who can come play the second half of the season, his numbers may be even more valuable to you late in the season because I think that those guys still have stuff left in the tank. Uh, I, I love some of the players that they have around him already. If they can ever stay fucking healthy on the offensive line. Yeah, or the running backs. Both yeah, or the running the backs. Playoffs. You know, it, it, he, it always ends up being all on Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I feel like if they can just stay healthy for one full season, this is a Super Bowl contending team. So I like Russell Wilson at three. I guess I'll do my last three. Go ahead. Yeah. Three, I have Dak. Dak Prescott. Not getting the bag of money yet, but 4,900 yards passing last year, 277 yards rushing. I mean, he does it all. You add Jerry Judy to an already good wide receiver group. I mean, it, it's he's no, loaded. No, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, they're loaded. They're yeah. absolutely loaded. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I have two. I mean, he's really, really good. You could expect him to keep doing what he's doing. 4,000 yards again last year. And then I have Lamar Jackson. I also think he'll he'll regress, but he had 1,200 yards rushing. If he regresses, you know, a third, you're still talking about uh, 800 yards rushing the ball here. The other piece to me is, can a quarterback running the ball for over 1,000 yards in a season avoid injury long-term? Sure. So that, you know, that's a big player in my mind, too. Like, he did a great job last year of not taking the big hit. If he can prove that again this year, I'll, you know, I'll stand, I'll be the first one to stand up and say I'm wrong. But... You know, I don't know if he can do that long term. I, I again, like I said, I think he'll still have a good season, but yeah. I see some regression coming. So for me, um, my top two: Dak Prescott at two. Uh, Prescott, he's continuously shown that he is a stat money maker for people. You know, he's he's a fantasy baller, and with the addition of C.D. Lamb to a team that already has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. His receiving core and his weapons are loaded. They have to respect the running game or Zeke will run over you. It, their offense is set up better than any offense in the NFL if you're not named Kansas City. <laughs> so, you know, th- those that situation that he has in the NFC, they should be very difficult to stop. They should score a ton of points. And they may and, have to. Yeah, they may have to, absolutely. They lost a lot on the defensive side this year, too. So, um, And at one, I have Patrick Mahomes, uh, who I think, is the most dangerous player in all of football because you never know where he's going to whip the ball at any point and he throws it on the money no matter what he's doing whether he's on the run whether he's throwing across the field uh he's got the arm strength the athleticism and the intelligence to make smart plays and the weapons to absolutely light teams up and i love the now based on what's happening there i think with clyde edwards hilaire probably going to get the lion's share of the reps there uh with damian williams opting out I think that Edwards Hilaire is a more explosive player than Damian Williams, and LaShawn McCoy is gone, so um, really could be, as long as they don't suffer injuries at that position, I think that's going to be more helpful for Mahomes still. Um, 
I, I'm a I'm a big fan of what he can do this year. The crazy thing about Lamar Jackson is if you had a running back who came off a 1,260 yards rushing season with seven touchdowns, he would go in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you throw in 36 passing touchdowns and 3,000 passing yards. It's nuts the amount of volume he did last year. It is. No doubt about it. And, you know, again, I, I'm i not looking at I, – I mean, I just – I want to take a quick look because I'm not exactly sure. I, I want to look at uh, – go ahead and take it for a second, Tom. I'm going to take a quick look here and see yeah, what are you looking into how there? he – Finished the year? Yeah, how he fared. Yeah, I mean, the, that's just it with Lamar Jackson. It's almost like getting a running back and a quarterback at the same time because of the amount of rushing yards. Uh, when you get some guys um, who are mobile, like Russell Wilson or Dak, you're talking 300, 200 yards. Kyler Murray, all the way up to 500. But this guy has 1,200 yards rushing. There's so many extra points each week. Uh, he was a cheat code last year for fantasy football. If you had him week in, week out, you were winning games. It almost didn't matter what the rest of your uh, crew accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no doubt he had a an insane season last year. Um, let's see here. So, you know, he continued to run the ball well against uh, the Browns. Um, he had a big week against the Jets. 212 passing, five touchdowns passing, um, 86 rushing yards. I was looking for the. So his performance against the Bills last year 145 yards passing, three touchdowns, one pick, only 40 yards rushing. Uh, no rushing touchdowns. That's kind of more in line what I think we're going to see with Lamar Jackson this year. The good defenses, the teams that have an understanding of what's going on. He passed for 105 against the Niners and one touchdown. Um, rushed for 101 and a touchdown as well. So, you know, you're talking about 16 points and, uh, yeah, just in you rushing. know, yeah, he's over. He's got a, you know, 23 point, 24 point for yeah. performance, um, you know, in what looks like a really bad passing week. Um, but I think the teams are going to start keying in on, on that running piece. Not that they weren't already, but they've got film on him now. And they can see where some of his weaknesses may lie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, it's again, I, it's not a knock on Lamar Jackson. It's more a credit to the defensive coordinators of the NFL finding a way to slow him down a little bit moving forward. Um, I don't think that a long-term, a quarterback that just takes off and runs for you know, 1,200 yards in a season is, is sustainable to win Super Bowls. All right. Next we have the UFC card. We'll do this and then we'll get to the break. Yeah. All right. So a big little card this weekend. We got Derek Lewis and Alexi Olenek, one of our favorites to watch here. Yeah. Uh, as the headlining bout at heavyweight. Um, Olenek, of course, the boa constrictor. And Derek Lewis just knocking people unconscious. So very heavyweights are always fun to watch. I know you had a take on this one. What, what were you saying earlier, Kev? Yeah, I just think that Olenek's going to try to smother Derek Lewis mm-hmm. and get him tired and, you know, take things to the ground. Derek Lewis does a great job of defending the takedown typically. But we have seen him gas and Yeah, fights. he gets tired. And Olenek is going to survive. Lewis has got to clip him. Lewis has got to clip him if he wants to win this fight. Because if he lets Alexi Olenek get on top of him and and push him up against the fence, and what do you got? What are the odds in this fight? Right? Alexi Olenek is plus what, 175. Derek Lewis is minus 220. So uh, everything you're saying is exactly how I think it happens. It's a five-round fight because it's the main event. Yeah. If Olenek can survive round one and two where Derek Lewis is at his strongest, uh, most dangerous, and you start putting Derek Lewis in the deep water, he's going to get sloppy. Olenek is an expert at choking people unconscious. He's going to find a way to do it. He does it all the time. Um, I just I, That's how I see this fight going. And at plus 170, you're getting a very good return on a guy who's won 50 fights in his life. Yeah, I mean, I know that Derek Lewis is a scary man. He's oh, a highlight sure. reel. He's a highlight reel. You know? He has some amazing knockouts. Yeah. But there are a lot of Derek Lewis fights that are boring and slow and drag out. He's a bit of and, a counterpuncher. Yeah. So you do see that sometimes from him where he's kind of lackluster, I think. 
So I'm going to put another bet on the record here. Over one and a half rounds in this fight. You can mark that one down. Uh, minus 115. I think this is a this is a play that feels perfect to over? me. Over one and a half. You, you've got a five-round fight. You've got Alexia Linick, who's going to try to smother him and avoid taking the big shot. I feel like if he can just avoid it, there I, I don't see any way this fight ends early. I've seen too many Derek Lewis one point five rounds. Yeah, you said it was one fifty plus one fifteen minus one fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I just I love Olenek in this fight. Um, I love watching Derek Lewis. This may be something where you could find a, a ground to middle right here. Right, you could put a little bit on Lewis to knock him out in the first round and the vet Olenek to win the fight. Yeah. If Lewis gets the knockout in the first round, you're getting a big pay, right? Because of the you know the odds. Probably of that. like plus. I I mean I probably I find the prop on it here, but and then bet Olenek to win the fight if it goes longer than it, if he survives that first round, and then like you're saying, Lewis also knows that he guesses. He also knows this is a five round fight. He may take his foot off the accelerator to try to pace himself, which may be to his detriment. Yeah. Um, doesn't look like they have the props up yet on it, but they, they'll come up later this week. Uh, probably on, like, Thursday or Friday it'll I'm, come up. So. I'm getting Olnick. Yeah, you're going to go with Alexia Linick at yeah. plus 175, yeah, and I'm going to take the over one and a half. So yeah. I'm going to put – I'll put a full two units on over one and a half in this. Oh, so the, two, the old two my first, my first two-unit bet on this thing. So um, a full two units on this at minus 115. Tom's going to put one unit on yeah. Olenek at plus 175. I mean, it's a fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, Omari Akhmedov against uh, Chris Weidman. Chris yeah. Weidman is like the all-American dude, you know. It's hard not to like the guy. I know. I want to root for him. He's got his family in the, in the stands all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, we got to see him fight in person. It's all his family there for the weigh-ins. There was a ton of people there yeah. wearing uh, Weidman shirts. He had a huge cheering section uh, up it in Buffalo. It didn't go well, unfortunately. Did, did not go well. It got a weird stoppage. Um, but here's what we're going to talk about right now. The last six fights for these two guys. Omari Akhmedov is what, 5-0-1? 5-0-1 Akhmedov in his last six fights. Chris Weidman in that same stretch, 1-5. One 1-5. In one, in one in five. I mean, Weidman has fought... Really good competition. Yeah, he's definitely fought the better of the competition, for sure. But he's struggling at this point in his career. He he looks to have lost a little bit. All five losses by TKO ref stoppage. Yeah. That's, that is just yeah. not a good sign. Well, Mariak Madoff doesn't really have a history of finishing people, though. Correct. So that, you know, kind of puts you in a, in a weird spot here where... I, I, I got to lean Akhmedov at plus 105 here in this fight. I, it's not a bet for me. No. Um, but it, it, it's my lean. I think that Omari Akhmedov will come out on top. All right. Any other of these fights you stand out to you? I know you are talking about Justin Jeans a little bit. Yeah. Um, Justin Jeans has had like four consecutive knockouts. He's fighting Gavin Tucker, who's a submission expert. Jeans is at plus 115. That I think is just a, a perfect value right here. Uh, to, to dive on Justin Janes. Neither guy has a ton of experience against great fighters. I think Janes is more explosive than Gavin Tucker is. Um, if he can avoid the takedown and ending up on his back, then I think that Justin Janes has a great chance to come out on top in this one at plus 115, and that is a bet that I'm going to put down. Oh. Justin Janes at plus 115. All right. And then... Darren Stewart is fighting on this card, huh? He's yes. fighting Maki Patolo. And, and you know, that, that should be a fun fight to watch here. You know, uh, Maki Patolo is, you know, they call him Coconut Bombs, you know. <laughs> he, he's got seven knockouts and three subs in his 13 wins. Um, you know, he knocked out Charles Bird in his last fight. Um, I think I think this will be an entertaining fight, not necessarily one that I want to you know get a big piece of action on, but I think this is one that you should look out for. Watch the fight because it's going to be fun. Um, Darren Stewart, um, his history, he is the dentist. I mean, nice nickname, huh? It's a great he's nickname knock for a fighter. Yeah. Perfect. Um, he's is coming. This or hockey for him? He had no other choice. Yeah, he's coming off a decision loss. You know, unfortunately. You know, he's got seven TKOs, zero submissions. He's been submitted twice in decision three times. He's 11-5, and five, and he's favored in this fight. I mean, to me, I, I'm leaning towards Maki Patolo. 
Stay tuned Saturday night. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see how many beverages Kev consumes, how wild he gets on that one. Yeah, yeah. What do you have, Nazarat? I'm going to butcher this last name. I apologize ahead of time. Hakparast? Oh, Actually, that was that's pretty right, good. Yeah, that was pretty was good. Pretty He's solid, minus huh? 245. Oh, yeah, never mind. Big favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a reason I liked him. Uh, no so, bet. <laughs> no bet. Uh, so that'll be it for a second, guys. We're going to take a break. Be right back to talk some NFL football. Can't wait. See you soon. We are back, and it's time for AFC and NFC North previews. Right, Tom? Yeah, yeah we're going to start in the AFC North. And just like we did with college football, we'll start at the bottom of the division to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, 2-14 and 14 last year. Uh, they made a lot of changes in the offseason. Uh, got rid of a couple of their normal players. Andy Dalton's gone. Drake Kirkpatrick's gone. Cordy Glenn's gone. Uh, B.W. Webb, their other corner's gone. Um, they've replaced them with the Vikings corners in Trey Wings and McKenzie Alexander. Uh, and, of course, the biggest addition in the draft with Joe Burrow. Looks like he's going to start the season at quarterback. What do you got here from a, a standpoint of, uh, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to have a couple questions for each team. What are our burning questions for this team? And I think it's the first one is Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, how does it translate? He does yeah. he translate to the NFL? Uh, I think he had a, a huge load of talent in LSU with those wide receivers that were just insanely good. Yeah. That, that group of wide receivers was so good. So can he make it work here at the next level? Well, I think he can. They have a lot of good wideouts in Cincinnati. Yeah, so. he has plenty of weapons to throw to. My bigger questions, I think Joe Burrow has a successful season. I think comparable to what uh, Kyler Murray did in his first season. Yeah. That's kind of what I see coming out of him as a rookie. Maybe not quite as much rushing success. Definitely not as much rushing. Probably run for a couple hundred yards because he does have the ability to pull it down and run in in yes. cer- certain situations. Doesn't share the athleticism that Kyler Murray has, uh, but I think he's a better passer of the ball. I think that you may see him, you know, pass for 3,600 yards, rush for three hundred yards, uh, throw twenty two touchdowns and twelve picks. I think a really solid season out of Joe Burrow, but it's going to be comparable to what you would get out of Andy Dalton in year one. Yeah. I think down the down the road, this is a guy who's going to be very successful in the NFL, but I don't think year one is the time to hitch your wagons to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I think the defense isn't very good either. Uh, they struggled a lot last year down the stretch, especially uh, kind of on the field a lot. We'll, we'll see. I love Joe Mixon. He's I think he's one of the most talented running backs in football. Just you know, not in the best situation there. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of the linebacking core that they have in Cincinnati. Um, they no. they did um, replace some of their guys, Drake Kirkpatrick and and Darquez Denard, with uh, Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander um, from Minnesota. You know, it, yeah, they it, it feels Bond like a wash from the Saints and. Yeah. DJ Reader is a bigger addition to me for me. Yeah. Um, at nose tackle, but again, adding him with Geno Atkins on that yeah. front four, they're redoing the whole defense for a reason. That defense was not good last season, so how fast can you get everyone up to speed going in the same direction in a division that should have some really good offenses in it this year? Yes. Um, I feel like pretty you know, much all three of them. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all four of them. I mean, this offense is loaded. I don't know how well they'll protect Burrow, which I think is the bigger question. Yeah. The offensive line, you know, Glenn and Miller were starters on their team. They're gone. They didn't really sign any. Uh, Xavier Suofilo, they signed, but he was a backup for for Dallas. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, what's the over-under for the Bengals? 5.5. 5.5, 5. 5, huh? And I'll tell you now, we, we talked about this before, we're – going to choose an over-under on the season for each, for division. each division, yep. and my my wager is on Cincinnati here to finish under five and a half. Okay. Um, I have Cincinnati under five and a half, and Cincinnati under five and a half is actually plus 110. So that is going to be a season-long bet for me, Cincinnati under five and a half. I, I like where they're headed, but I don't think they're there yet on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense will be comparable um, a rookie is going to have his learning curve, however, yeah. and those defenses in that division will take advantage of a rookie yes. quarterback. Yes. Uh, next team on the docket for the AFC North is the Cleveland Browns, six and ten last year. Uh, you know the 
will the hype again of the hype train last year for the Browns didn't really lead up to anything substantial with a six and ten record. There there wasn't a ton of losses. I think Joe Schobert was pretty good. They lost him, um, so. But they added some people, too. I mean, oh, I, I love some of their additions here. Austin Hooper's Kev, big. Kevin Stefanski is going to be on power. Uh, he's going to be a power run guy yeah. as their new head coach. Um, you've got Nick Chubb, who's going to be the bell cow there. You know, you've also got um, Kareem, Hunt. Kareem Hunt there he's in nasty. the backfield as a change of pace. You've added Andy Janovich at, at fullback, who's one of the best in the game. And then you've signed Jack Conklin and and drafted Jedrick Wills. That offensive line has got to be better. The offense as a whole is going to be better. Yeah. I think Freddie Kitchens was a disaster as their head coach, not a leader of men. And, you know, quite frankly, they locked up Miles Garrett on the defensive side of the ball. I like some of the promise out of this Cleveland team this year. Yeah, I, I, they're, they should be good. I mean, they added a bunch of defensive pieces too. Grant Delpert, uh, Delpit, Jordan Elliott, and Jacob Phillips in the draft along with some signings as well. Uh, Andrew Billings, Adrian Claiborne to come and rush on the other side of Garrett. Um, some depth at corner with Kevin Johnson, who had a solid season for Buffalo last year. Got Carl Joseph is a nice addition in their secondary. And Andrew Sendejo from the Vikings, who's yeah. been very solid coming over with his coach. So Yeah. The loss of Joe Schobert is bigger than people realize. He yep. was a great linebacker, and his loss to the Jaguars is a big loss. Um, a completely underrated guy. Yes. Uh, they lost him and Christian Kirksey at, at linebacker. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be the biggest question mark for the defense is that sec- yeah. is the uh, linebackers secondary should be good. Denzel Ward and Greedy Front Williams back. You know, I, I love those guys in the secondary. And what do we have there over under at Kev? Uh, let's see. Over under for Cleveland. Sorry, this will take me just a moment to get to. Um, regular season wins. Cleveland Browns are over under eight and a half. Um, the over eight and a half is juiced to minus one forty. Eight and a half. Yeah, and so this is a team that will have the hype again. I mean, they have all these players: Odell Beckham, and Landry, and the Go, uh, Joku, and Hooper, and all those running backs. It, it seems like they should be very, very good. But they're in a division with some some very good teams. We get to the next two. They have both have great defenses, yeah, and can score the ball themselves. So, the Browns eight and a half. You're playing the AFC South and the NFC East as well. So you, you do have some other good teams you're going to have to go up against. You got to play at Dallas. But the defenses are a little softer in those divisions, yeah. if you ask me. The AFC South has some solid ones. I think the Titans' defense is solid. The Colts' defense has been good. Not a lot of standout players, but they play well together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, you get to play the Washington football team. Yeah, which is Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defense is okay. Dallas is going to have a down year defensively. The right. Giants' defense doesn't stand out to anybody. So th- that is an interesting eight and a half. Yeah, it's interesting there. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who had a million injuries and still found their way to eight and eight. Uh, I think their biggest change is Big Ben is back to start the season, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, how could you ask for anything more? Uh, than returning a guy who is a borderline Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, you know, quarterback. I think that he probably will make the Hall of Fame based on his statistics combined with winning a Super Bowl and so forth. So they got Derek Watt to come in and be a fullback. They got uh, Stefan Wisniewski to come play guard. Wanted to really shore up the old line in front of Ben and got Eric Ebron to add a little weapon for him. Yeah, and you know. Ben Roethlisberger has said he's throwing without pain for the first time in years. Um, My understanding is that his velocity looks great. He's throwing the ball a ton. So I think that any concerns about his health regarding his elbow, it's pretty much, I'm I'm not even worried about that at this point. Right. He was, I fought hard to keep him off my top 10 quarterback list. Yeah, to me, the keeping him off is more about the weapons he has to throw to. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster did not exactly excite in his, um, obviously with some backup quarterbacks, but with his time as the f- number one option, he did not do a lot to really but I, make you feel good. I love him. the addition of Chase Claypool opposite Juju Smith-Schuster with James Washington, who was Sorry. unbelievably good and in college, and 
They had Duck Hodges throwing them the ball. That's guy, this guy's not an NFL backup, let alone an NFL starter. So I think that you can throw a lot of their production out the window. I think it goes through the roof this year. Yeah, and yeah. If the, I'll, I'm going to preface this with if their odds were better on their over-under, which is 8.5, but it's juiced to minus 160 on the over, if it were 9 and minus 110, I would probably take the over because I think Pittsburgh can win 10 games this year. Yeah, I, th- I think they could, you know, you're going to be right around that eight mark again. It's, you know, with Tomlin at coach, this team's never bad. They're always in the mix. I mean, I think last year he probably doesn't get enough credit for how well he held that team together. They had a chance to make the playoffs. If this was this year, they would have been that, that extra playoff team that made it. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, 14 and 2. Whew. Yeah, that it's a hell of a season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, big big season for them. Breakout for Lamar Jackson, uh, just really showed out, uh, winning the MVP. They added a ton of players. That's the other thing. Class Campbell comes in uh, via trade from the Jaguars uh, to help out that already good defense. But they did lose a bunch of, you know, maybe not the top guys on their team. But some some definitely good people. Marshall Yonda is going to be a big loss. Like as a perennial Pro Bowler, yeah. and a leader on that offensive line, I think that's going to hurt a little bit. Um, I, I feel like again they went to a style that people weren't prepared for last season. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how they come out this year, and whether they continue that same philosophy. Or if they get a little bit more creative and spread yeah. things out a little bit more, but I, I love their tight end situation. You know, yeah, Mark yeah, Andrews is sure. a monster. Um, Gus, Gus Edwards is a really nice change of pace to to Mark Ingram. And they have one of my favorite drafts I of know. the year. Dobbins, you know, may get a little of that Gus Edwards juice from him. Yeah, uh, Patrick Queen, Matabuke, um, Ben Bredson, who we both you know thought was ranked way lower than we yeah. had we had both seen him play so you, you have a lot of guys coming up Devin DuVernay is a slot receiver that's going to be a valuable piece for them um you know there there's a ton added here and and that's why I chose the Baltimore Ravens to win this division once again I think that they're they're just all they did is continue to build yeah and even with I think a slight retraction in uh, statistical performance from Lamar Jackson. I think this team continues to get better as a team. Uh, I think that, I think, let me take a look. I think the over-under is like 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I picked the Ravens to win as well. It, it's hard for me to see the Steelers catching them. I think the Steelers' defense is awesome. Uh, they, they are definitely going to cause problems. But I believe the Ravens' offense is n- not really scared of that Steelers' defense. The Steelers' defense gets after the quarterback. Go ahead yeah. and chase Lamar Jackson around. And they, they play great in the secondary. The Ravens do not need to complete passes to win games. I mean, Lamar Jackson won the MVP. He only threw for 300 yards one game last season. He's going to he's gonna get his 200 yards, his 220 for most games, run it a little bit, and they're going to capitalize, and they're going to be on the field a lot. Uh, what would you get that over-under at, Kevin? 11 and a half. It's juiced to the under slightly. At minus one thirty to the under, even money on over eleven and a half wins. That's crazy. Um, so I'm not a big fan of most of these over unders for these guys. I'm, I think we have to take the Steelers, even though it's minus one sixty. I do not like the the Bengals. There's too much unknown, and I just I don't trust the Browns to get to nine. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna go. You're gonna take over on. Uh, yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers at minus one sixty, yeah. so that'll probably be a two-unit wager, I would imagine. Hey, Has to hey be, Tom, yeah, yeah. two-unit wager <laughs> to make it worth it um, on the Steelers going over eight and a half. And you know, I get that completely. I think that that's a logical. The, a logical it seems the safest of all the bets in it that. It does. Yeah. Uh, and and again, we both have the Ravens. Not a lot of, not a lot of juice, but I think the Raven Steeler games could be really fun again this year. Yeah, with Big Ben there. Tom, let's talk a little NFC North. Yes, the Lions of Detroit were 3-12-1 last year. Uh, Hopefully Matt Stafford will be able to play a full season as he was dynamite in the first uh, few games of last year. Uh, This is another team that had just a ton of people coming and going on their roster. Uh, Anything that really strains out for you besides um, Darius? 
Well, you know, here's one thing that, that stands out to me. Last season, they were, uh, what, 3-4-1 and one or something. Yeah, 3-4-1 and one prior to Stafford's injury. Yeah. And they go 0-8 after he's out. Yep. Stafford was on pace to pass for over 5,000 yards. He was absolutely killing it with Daryl Bevel running the offense there. Um, the play-action game, the downfield passing, everything looked really, really good. And now they've got on Johnson and they've added Jonathan Taylor to that backfield. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift. Yeah, DeAndre Swift. See, I, I get my running backs from the draft mixed up because yeah, all, it was all this. I got a wide receiver wrong earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so DeAndre Swift at 35. Um, Swift is absolutely 6.6 yards per carry in college. Completely explosive. Yeah. He can catch the ball in the backfield a little bit. He does everything. Should be a lot of fun. And, and really, between him and Kerry Johnson, you have two solid running backs. Probably for the first time in Detroit for a while. Detroit has, I, I don't have the number right here with me, but it, they have this crazy record of being in the bottom five rushing in the NFL for like 15 years or some nonsense. Yeah. It's a real problem for them. Well, and two of the rookies that they drafted are on the offensive that. line. Those guys are offensive running game maulers. Yeah. You know, you've got Jonah Jackson from Ohio State and Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. Both of those guys are the perfect fit if you want to start power running the ball, play action game down the field. Kenny Galladay broke out last year yeah. despite terrible quarterback play. Yeah, it's still awesome. Yeah, I mean, Galladay, he's got he's got consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, uh, led the NFL with 11 touchdown catches last year. You've still got Marvin Jones. So Marvin you, Jones is always underrated to every season. And TJ Hawkinson dropped the ball like crazy in his yeah. rookie season, but he's loaded with talent. And if he starts to see some of that talent emerge with Matt Stafford, this is an offense that could take off. And the defense is where I think they've made the biggest uh, additions. You got Desmond Trufant coming. You got Jeff Akuda coming. Jamie Collins, who's worked with, um, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Patricia, Matt Patricia before, yep. obviously, in New, uh, New England. So you have a bunch of really good football players added to a defense that really needed some help. Deron Harmon, who's got experience with Matt Patricia as well, um, should Danny be a nice Shelton. fit there. Well, yeah, I mean, again, same same thing. Reggie Ragland's coming over. Tr- listen to this. <laughs> Trey Flowers averaged five quarterback pressures a game the second half of the season last year. He's a solid player there. This yeah. this defense is going to be pretty good. It should be a lot better, and the offense has been good enough to win football games, especially when Matt or yeah, Matt, Ryan, Matt Stafford was there and healthy. Very good. And what's Julian Aquara become as a pass rusher? You know I'm a fan, so we'll yeah. see how he does. But yeah. so, Lions over-under, Kev. What do you got? Yeah, the over-under for the Detroit Lions this season is set at... Not on the board. Not on the board yet? They're they still waiting have, for Stafford's yeah, life? Yeah, because of the Stafford stuff, we don't have him on the board right now. Not good. I know, that would have been a nice one. Potentially, That's I would play the Detroit Lions over six. Yeah, I I was hoping it was going to be six and a half. That was my whole thing. Yeah. I, I really think that they can win seven games easy. The, the talent on the offense is going to win a couple games. The improved defense is going to be a lot better. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the nature of, you know, gambling kind of, you know, something like this. There's uncertainty around Stafford and the announcements that are going to come. So, you know. He has returned to practice. Yeah. Yeah, he's not on this one either. All right. So we'll put a a pin in that one. Maybe when that comes out, we'll be able to take a look uh, and see if that's something we want to both get on. Because I think we both feel this team is treading upwards on them. Uh, Chicago Bears finished 8-8. And the quarterback is the question of the day in Chicago. They they have envy of taking Trubisky over Mahomes. What can they do this year with didn't Nick Foles? did Foles opt out? I haven't seen that. Hold on, I got the I brought the opt out list up because I'm smart sometimes. Bears of Chicago. I do not have him opting out okay. as of yet. So, you know, they added Jimmy Graham on the offensive side of the ball. If Foles is going to play, Anthony Miller is a really nice receiver. Allen Robinson had a, a tremendously under-the-radar successful season last year. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to like about that. I really feel good about 
Foles in that offense as opposed to Trubisky. But who gets the start? Who is gets the, the nod? Thing, right? Yeah, there's so many question marks. Cole Komet is a nice addition. Yeah, he's a. He, I mean, he fits the Bears mold really well. Yeah, and Tariq Cohen is is great at what he does. David Montgomery, I think, is set to have a nice season this year. Um, question marks for me. Um, they're returning four starters on that offensive line, and added Jermaine Effetti, uh to fill in at right guard for Kyle Long. Uh, he, you know. I'm not a big fan there. I think that's a, a yeah. downgrade, and the offensive line wasn't that great last year to begin with. Um, but I would really like to see – they averaged 3.69 yards per carry last year, yeah. 29th in the NFL. It's concerning, but um, they've got a new off- or new defensive coordinator in Chuck Pagano coming in. Um, I, I think that they might get a little resurgence from the struggles that they had last year. Yeah, when I look at the Bears and you look at the schedule they go against, I'm not picking them to win many of these games. You know, you they're playing the NFC South. Do I think they're going to win in Atlanta? Do I think they're going to play win against the Saints? I mean, they get that at home, but do I think they're going to beat the Saints? They have to play Tampa Bay. At home, I, I like I, I like the, the Bears are set at seven and a half, and I like the under at plus one ten. Seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine them winning eight games. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, this is a team that barely won eight last year, and they didn't do anything to me that really. I mean, unless Nick Foles starts and does much better than Trubisky, I think that's what you're you're hoping if you're taking the Bears over. Then tough. We, it, that's tough. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't caught on already, Athlon Sports has great NFL season previews and predictions up for free on their website. Um, they they give you a really nice recap. They posted all of these like late July, so they're they're relatively recent, up to date, and and really good information, guys. In case you're looking for a resource to to reach out to, I love plugging the resources that we use here. Yeah, absolutely. So, for me, Athlon Sports has done a great job with putting this together for every team. Minnesota, 10-6 and six last season. Another, I mean, this team just is solid every year, it seems. Uh, they're running her back for the most part this year. Uh, they did some maneuvering with some uh, corners, but yeah. everything else seems to be... Well, the loss of Stephon Diggs based on the, the trade, and then they tried to fill that hole. Yeah, they tried to plug it in the draft. How are you feeling about, you know, kind of the direction that they took? Uh, they went with Justin Jefferson. I, I, uh, I have said all along that I think that Justin Jefferson has the potential to win Rookie of the Year to be the – it's a quarterback award for the most part. It's hard yeah, now. It's hard not get, to be you know, you, Quarterback you get, or a crushing running back. Yeah, it's really – So I, I, I love Justin Jefferson. I think he will have an amazing season opposite Adam Thielen. He's going to be one of my fantasy sleepers this year. Um, yeah, it really comes down – I mean, when you look at the depth chart at wide receiver, there's not a lot in his way. Obviously, Thielen's there, and he's good. But, I mean, after him – They added Tajay Sharp. Yeah. You know, Courtney Davis is on there. I mean, you yeah. have some solid pros, but do you, you know, there's not anybody to keep him down except for maybe the the slower off season might be his biggest thing. Yeah, uh, weird move on the defensive side of the ball. They get rid of George Edwards, and uh, Mike Zimmer's son Adam is going to call the defense. It looks like. Yeah. Um. So that's that's you know interesting. Um. I mean, they lost Xavier they, Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander. And they lost Trey Waynes. All, all those corners are just gone. So is this, I mean, Mike Zimmer's always been a 4-3 guy. They hired Dom Capers as a con- consultant this year, who's a 3-4 guy. It could be so they, they might try to get a little more multiple. Hybrid. They're look, I mean, they lost Everson Griffin, who is still, as of this recording, a free agent in the NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, they've lost a lot on defense. Sandejo, we talked about. He went to Cleveland. He was part of their safety tandem. Those Eric Kendricks is a beast. Yeah, he's 28 years old, you know, and, and played amazing as a middle linebacker last year. Uh, he'll continue to do that. That there, I I feel confident that they'll defensively find a way. I love the selection of Jeff Gladney. Um, yep. You know, he'll he'll step right in. Um, 
Cameron Dantzler. I, that's a guy that when we were doing our NCAA previews, mm-hmm. I talked about Cameron Dantzler as a guy that I really liked in this draft that was overlooked a little bit. So I love that. I, I said this to Tom numerous times off air. How I really liked the way that Minnesota approached this draft. Yeah, it, it, a lot to, remains to be seen. I think corners a really tough spot in the NFL as a rookie, and they may be relying on a couple of them here to to play a lot of downs. So we'll see how that works out. What's their over under at Kevin? I'm curious on that one. Yeah, Minnesota's nine. Minnesota's nine. They're. Their schedule is not easy either. Obviously, they're playing the NFC South, but they have at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans on Christmas Day. Because I'm such a fan of what they did in the offseason, my selection for an over-under in this division is over 9 for Minnesota. I think they're going to win 10 to 11 games at plus 120. Kev's the first one to pick here. Vikings. It's 9 even, you said? It is. Plus 120. All right, and then we have... Are you, are you good with the Vikings? you want to move on? I'm good, yeah. Okay. The Green Bay Packers. The Packers. Packers, of course, last year won the division. Uh, they were 13-2-1. Their record was great last 13 and 13-3. and 13-3 last season. Uh, very good team. They're actually running the ball, which is yeah. very interesting. It's weird how that led to more wins. Uh, Jordan Love Show now, right? Aaron Rodgers is uh, the backup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, Aaron Rodgers will, will be the starter. Obviously, Jordan Love making some some waves as the uh, number one pick for this team this year, where they desperately needed some wideouts for him. Um, I, I was so confused with the, what they did in the off season. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, you draft AJ Dillon to add to the backfield with Aaron Jones. You know, they've been fine in the backfield. But you don't address the wide receiver position at all. Yeah. and Well, they go and get Funchess, Devin Funchess, but he's opted he's out, out of the now. season now, so so he's not going to be there to help them out. So you got Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Um, you know. Yeah. Valdez Scantling, he's still on the roster, right? Scantling and Equinemis St. Brown. Is, I'm seeing the depth chart. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you got a, you have Devontae Adams, who's good, and then you have a bunch of unproven guys who, you know, in Lazard and Valdez Scantling, they've shown things, but they're they're definitely not. Uh, I'm very consistent. concerned about the offensive line depth too. Yeah, they, you know, they, Stepniak's injured right now. I don't know if he's going to play. They lose Balaga, who was there for ten years, and they bring in Ricky Wagner, who came oh. from the Lions, and. Mason Crosby opted out too, so yeah, I mean they need a kicker. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I don't love this team at all. Um, they couldn't stop the run. That that's why I chose the Vikings to win this division, Tom. Mm-hmm. I I see regression coming from the Packers. Thirteen and three was, you know, beating up on a softer schedule, and I, I feel like this is a team that's going to take some steps back this year. Yeah. So the problem I have with the NFC North is I don't. The teams that were good last year, I don't love what they've done. You know, the Vikings, I feel like they have so many question marks on the defensive, especially in that secondary. It's hard to really get behind them. The Packers, I mean, they had a really good season. They had a couple of glaring weaknesses in wide receiver depth and um, up front on defense for against the run, and they didn't do anything for either one of those. It was very odd. You have the Lions, who I thought did a lot more to address their needs, but they still seem like oh, they're way off. So it's a very interesting. Um, I'm going to take the Packers to win. I actually had told Kevin earlier I was going to take the Vikings, but I've in this have changed my mind. What's the Packers over under, Kev? Eight and a half minus 160 to the over. Mm. Mm. Tom over here making huge chalk wagers is what he wants to do. No, I don't want, what's the Bears under seven and a half? The Bears under seven and a half is... Plus one ten. Yeah, he's going Bears under seven and a half. Bears under seven and a half with the Packers to win the division. I'm on the Vikings to win the division and the Vikings over nine. So that's uh, 
that's where we fall on our divisions this week, Tom. What divisions are we going to preview next week? Next week, uh, we have the AFC and NFC South, which are two very interesting divisions to talk about. The NFC South is loaded with talent. Competitive divisions, and The man. AFC South had two teams make runs in the playoffs, so very interesting there. Well, of course, the PGA is not slowing down after the PGA Championship. They have the Wyndham Championship next week, which has always been, been good, and a... Nice UFC pay-per-view to come up as well. Oh, that pay-per-view. That's going to be fun to preview the next week. The main event man. is I'm going to be up. nuts. I'm amped up, baby. So, fun week ahead this week, guys. Absolutely. Let's, Tom, can we get a quick recap of what our wagers are that we've got live for this yeah. weekend? Yeah, so I am on Alexi Olenek, plus 175. Kevin is locking in Danny Berger, top 10, at plus 325. The Olenek Lewis fight to go over one and a half rounds at minus one fifteen. He's betting two units on that. He also has Justin James to win at plus one fifteen. And stay tuned because oh, we were just talking about we've been betting on these basketball and hockey games. We're gonna start putting some of them, you know, on our, you know, record that we keep doing. Yeah. Uh, throwing them out there, picks and adding them to the list. So we're gonna keep betting those and throwing them out for you guys to see. Absolutely, guys. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Hit us up at Hammered underscore sports. Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. HammeredSportsPod.com. Hammered Sports Podcast on Instagram. Um, we'll continue to share our lineups as we generate them for these UFC events. Uh, hit us up. If you have a question or you think you like a t- an event or you want some insight on something, hit us up. You know, let us. We'll answer you. We'll, we'll, we'll hit you up with, with what we see. Um, so, so let's keep the interaction coming guys excited for what's coming and we're only a few weeks away from our live fantasy football draft, uh, excited to try and put that de- those details out there about when we're going to do that. Yeah. We were close to getting it done before this episode, but it'll definitely be on next episode. Yeah. But... We'll have details on the date, the time, and then, you know, if any of you guys want to jump in on a, on a fantasy football league, we may put something together, uh, ourselves. So, yeah. uh, again, Um, Thanks for everything, guys. We will be back with you next week with a loaded card. Until then, see ya.